Hello, welcome to another edition of Crop Life Retail Week. I'm Eric Sulgoy, editor of Crop Life and Crop Life Iron Magazines, here again today with Laura Sowinski. Laura, thanks for joining us and appreciate the backdrop. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Trying to keep it fresh, you know. <laughs> yeah, that that's good. Is you know whatever whatever gets you out of the broom closet. Although, well, all right, less said the better. Um, so hey, yeah, our last video for the month of May. I mean, uh, the year is flying along, of course. And I know you and I have been following a lot of information regarding, uh, of course, this time of year weather patterns and. Uh, you know, crop plantings are, are a lot of big news. And I think you actually have some things to share regarding the former, correct? Yeah, um, just a news item that uh, caught my eye this week. Um, pretty severe route, uh, <laughs> drought. And you can tell it must be, uh, we're leading Easy up for to, you a, to say, a, yeah. a holiday weekend. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm clearly halfway there. <laughs> um, none, nonetheless, um yeah, pretty severe drought in uh, North Africa, um, particularly Morocco, Algeria, um, Tunisia. So USDA um, forecasting that um, because of this drought, um, 31.7 million tons of imported wheat, um, which is a record import for the region, um, is um, the estimate for the 23-24 uh, se season. So um yeah, we're looking at drought not only in North Africa, but I think, you know, you and I were talking about um, Great Plains drought. I know there's been some rainfall um, that's been helpful this past week, but I think uh, still there's there's something um, to watch there. Actually, one, one news item, uh, you know, closer to home, a farmer, uh, a, uh, excuse me, a rancher in Nebraska was talking about... Um, you know, the lack of hay and the prices of hay. So, again, kind of related to um, what is now the second year for drought in the in the Great Plains. So we'll keep our eye on that. But, yeah, yeah. So while the West is enjoying, a, you know, a reprieve from uh, the decades-long drought, um, we're looking at other areas. So, yep, that's that's the news. That's all I have. Well, hey, quick question, though, on the North African situation. Did the USDA report mention where the wheat was being imported from, what region or countries? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, um, when I was scouring to try and determine that, you know, again, whether this was Ukrainian wheat, um, I wasn't able to determine that. But, you know, we'll see what we can, we can find, find out and I'll, I'll give you an update. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting because I know I was was looking at a USDA report not too long ago that said that their anticipation is that, you know, over the next few years that uh, supply might outstrip demand worldwide for certain crops like corn and soybean was mentioned in that report, but didn't say anything about wheat. So uh -huh. I'd just be curious to find out where the wheat was coming from. So yeah, if you could update our viewers, viewers sure. on this one, stay tuned. We'll give you an update. So Yeah, sounds good. All right. Well, speaking of climate, of course, uh -huh. one thing, of course, everybody has been focusing on, of course, is climate smart agriculture and uh, actually found an item this week that uh, helped. It had to do with two very good uh, industry friends of ours. CF Industries has now teamed up with C&H, uh -huh. uh, the big uh -huh. ag retail community, um, and they are actually going to uh, produce together 
a, uh, a new form of uh, low-carbon nitrogen fertilizer. So this will be uh, helping to reduce greenhouse gas emissions using this fertilizer. Um, I guess in, in this uh, arrangement, CF is going to leverage its knowledge to produce ammonia, uh, which is a building block for nitrogen-based fertilizer products with lower scope one carbon dioxide emissions. Uh, and then they are going to help uh, CNH is going to help market that product as it comes into the marketplace to uh, its, uh, you know, it through its cooperatives to growers around the United States. So, again, this will be coming into the market very quickly, and uh, hopefully, again, it'll help to reduce some of the carbon emissions that we've had uh, in agriculture when you're using nitrogen-based fertilizer. So, yeah, now that's a great, great news item. I, I saw that as well. Pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. So, yeah, we'll have more on that as the product becomes available. I'm sure it'll have a nice branded name and we'll be able to report it, maybe have a logo to share with our viewers in upcoming videos. So, And, hey, one other thing, I know we've been talking the last, uh, I don't know, year or so regarding sort of the uh, artificial intelligence, uh, autonomous vehicles, smart spraying technology, you know, John Deere Sea and Spray, we focused on that. About a week ago with my visit with the MFA John Deere folks. Um, and then this week we found out that uh, CNH Industrial, which owns Raven Industries and also Case IH, uh, has now formally formed an agreement to collaborate with uh, One Smart Spray, which is the joint venture of Bosch and BASF. And they're going to be incorporating the One Smart Spray system into. Um, Case IH and New Holland branded sprayers going forward with Raven's team leading that effort. So again, these systems that use cameras and sensors to detect where the weed are and weed is in the field and then spot spray it. Um, you know, we've seen, I know Agco a couple of weeks ago had a similar arrangement with one smart spray. And of course, John Deere has C and spray. So Again, all this brings me back to, you know, I'm very much looking forward to the summer's trade shows, Maggie, Farm Progress, because, again, there's usually ride and drive areas where a lot of things are demonstrated on how, you know, different sprayers can operate in the field and some of their features are, are, can be looked at up close. I imagine this summer shows we're going to see a lot of sea and spray, smart spraying demonstrations at those events. So I very much am looking forward to those events coming up in August. Yeah, you're right. You know, I think not only the potential for AI with machinery and equipment, but I think that, you know, for um, obviously from many years, the issue of interconnectivity, integration, um, interoperability devices, machinery, equipment, I think AI is going to be able to give us that big leap to connect things in a way that we haven't been able to thus far. So. Yeah, you're right. It's it's pretty exciting times, and um, I'm looking forward to joining you. <laughs> yeah, and when... well, and actually, even before that, in July, we've got an event geared towards ag technology. If you want to give another another shout out to that, if you would, we do indeed. Um, we've been talking about um, our exciting Tech Hub Live for 2023 um, in Des Moines, end of July, July 24 through 26, and um, AI and um, actually all of the emerging and advanced technologies um, 
will be prominent in the program, which is focused, of course, on ag tech, primarily um, as it pertains to the ag retailers and their farmer grower customers. So su super excited. Every day we're, um, you know, adding more round tables, more, you know, in fact, we're almost kind of running out of slots, which is, <laughs> which is a very desirable place to be in, in terms of um, the event and, and the program. So we're su super excited. So uh, techhublive.com for more information. We hope to see you there in Des Moines. Yeah, very good. Looking forward to it. And again, we do have to share some information in an upcoming video here in the next week or two regarding the uh, before Tech Hub event, uh, Tech Hub Live event party, um, because those I know last year we did falling, which was fun, but um, this year I'm sure we have something to even top that. Hopefully, so we'll be te we're teasing that now, but we'll stay tuned for a future video. We'll give you more information on that. Yep, sounds good. All right, well, Miss Laura, time for your favorite segment of the show. Time for fun with numbers. Well, I'm feeling better and better every week that goes by. <laughs> well, and and you will you will catch on because again, I'm I'm the the number this week ties to something, and it, it the choices are all going to be similar. So you're just going to have to you're going to have to use your best uh, guesstimation to get it right. But if you did like you did last week, I think you'll do fine. Okay. All right. So your number this week seventy two percent. Alrighty. Okay. So is 72% A, is that per the percentage of oranges to be grown in California in 2023? Is okay. it B, the percentage of grapefruit to be grown in California in 2023? Is it C, the percentage of lemon and limes to be grown in California in 2023? Or is it D, the percentage of time in recent days my son has focused on his summer break plans and not schoolwork since we're about a week out from the end of the school year? Well, let's see. Um, I'm going to go with A. Good, good call. Yes, oranges. Yeah, I was very surprised about this. I know, um, you know, I know for years now we've been we've been hearing more about, you know, citrus greening and the various right. hurricanes and how badly it's actually decimated the Florida orange growing business. And I was very, very surprised. Um, I ran across this item from USDA where they were talking about orange production. Um, now, there were four states, apparently, California, Florida, Texas and Arizona, where oranges are produced. And the USDA tracks numbers for, but this year they're no longer tracking Arizona because apparently the output's too small. So that leaves California, Florida, and Texas. Now, Florida has throughout the 2000s led the nation in orange production. Back in 2000, for instance, um, the state produced 233 million boxes of oranges. Now, comparison that same year, California had 64 million boxes. They were producing. Texas, 1.7 million. But in 2023, the forecast is for the first time ever, our California is going to surpass Florida in orange production for the year. Uh, expected to produce 45 million boxes of oranges compared to Florida only producing 16 million. So again, 
23 years down from 233 million to 16 million. So again, um, I, I knew I knew the the problems in Florida and the citrus for orange growing was bad. But I had no idea until I was staring at this graph to see just how quickly and how badly the numbers have fallen off over the last two decades. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that is really yeah. I knew it was down dramatically. I think the last time I looked at the stats, you know, it really was like wow. But this is even worse than I I thought. Um, do you know what what the output from from Texas is uh, for this year? Or for this year, it's projected to be one point one million. So again, Texas Texas is the one yeah. that has stayed fair. Like I said, one point seven to one point one down slightly in twenty years. But you know mm -hmm. the the big the big one was was uh, you know was was Florida coming down yeah. so far. And again, you know yeah. nationwide. I mean, you know, in the early two thousands, we're producing about three hundred million boxes. Uh -huh. This year we're on pace for somewhere in the neighborhood of about 60. I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah. Yeah, that is. That is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hope. Um, I mean, last I read there really they didn't have a solution or, you know, there there was no way to sufficiently um, address, you know, the greening disease. Um, uh, yeah, that's it's. It's terrible. I mean, honestly, the the impact on that production is just wild. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, I know, you know, our markets are mostly row crops, not so much the citrus folks, but nonetheless, it's agriculture, yeah. is agriculture, and this yeah. was rather rather stark. So our hearts go out to the folks in Florida who are having to deal with this problem. So yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, now that I'm, you know, fully participating in the ad market like I, I never have before, you know, now that I'm part of Meister Media and Crop Life. I think, you know, the whole thing about how susceptible and vulnerable agriculture is to disease, to pests, and you, know, you can really, really appreciate, you know, just the, um, you know, just how, how tentative, you know, things are sometimes. And, and yeah, you're right. It's, it's just, it's, it's hard. It, you, you, it seems like a personal thing. It's like, wow, that's, that's hard to contend with. So absolutely yep. hearts go out to that industry. Yes. All right. Well, thanks everyone for joining us for this edition of Retail Week. I'm Eric Sulgoy on behalf of myself, Laura Sawinski, and everyone at Crab Life. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again soon. If you have questions or comments about today's episode of Retail Week, contact us by email or Twitter or type your message in the comment section below. Your feedback is important to us. We will try our best to address your thoughts in next week's episode and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel.